You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Well, you know, if you will, you can turn with me to Deuteronomy 8.2. I'll have that up on the board here in just a moment, but don't put it up yet. Oh, they already did. Uh, don't read it. Cover it. Look down. Uh, there we go. Um, listen, I, I just want to tell you something real quick. You know, I, I said last week that when we go through storms, it reveals our heart, not God's heart. It reveals our heart. We do learn things about God, but we reveal it reveals our heart. And we're going to look at a scripture that says that here in just a moment, but I just want to share a story about a wilderness experience that I went through, and uh, man, it was hard, and it was, it was very difficult. Um, I, was, I was single, so I was lonely. I had all these emotions, and then I had a job I didn't like, and I'd been there about two and a half years. I had not been promoted. Uh, just things, I just didn't like the job, and so I had some other companies that uh, I could go to work for, I mean, easily, they could, they, met, they were recruiting me, there were things happening, and so anyway, I just decided, man, that uh, I didn't like this job, and I'd prayed and prayed, and, you know, big doors didn't open up, and, you know, and, and those people were recruiting me, but they didn't just, like, tell me they'd just give me a job, but I, I thought I could get hired there, so I started to pursue them, and they're like, yeah, 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 we'll hire you. Um, same type of jobs, already had the training, so, they, yeah, they were, they were glad to see me come in that direction, but I didn't pray about it. I didn't pray about it. I was pretty miserable, my personal life, and just I was still going to church. I was still tithing. I was still doing all the things right, but it was just a wilderness experience. It was dry. I mean, I wasn't hearing from God. It was just, it was just a very difficult time in my life, and I just decided I was going to take matters in my own hand, quit this job, and move to another job. And I remember I was sitting at my desk, and I was meditating on how I was going to do it. And the day I turned in my, my two-week notice, I was going to kind of do it with a smile on my face because I really didn't like uh, uh, what some of the uh, bosses were doing. And so I'm like, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm going to say, here you go, right, uh, with a little attitude. And I had a bad attitude. I'd, I'd had a bad attitude at that job for a while. And then I was sitting at my desk meditating on this, and I can hear the voice of my father, and he said, uh, you can do what you want to, but I'm telling you right now, do not quit this job. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's a done deal. I already made a decision. I'm done quitting this job. I'm moving on. I'm going to another job. It's a done deal. He said, you can do what you want to. But I'm telling you right now not to quit this job. Troy, you didn't pray. You didn't ask me. You didn't do anything. And I'm like, well, you haven't been speaking anyway, so, you know, I'm moving on. He said, well, I'm speaking now. Do not quit this job. Do not quit this job. And then he, he kind of showed me a, a why in the road, a why, and he said, you're, you're making a decision right now. It's the second time he'd shown me a why. He showed me a why in my personal life. Now he's showing me a why in my professional life. He's like, there's a why in the road. You're making a decision to go one way or another. And if you don't do what I say, you're going to go, you're going to go the wrong way. And so I was so uh, mad that he said that to me. I had a lot of freedom at this job. I got up from my desk, went and got in my car and took off driving. Just, you know, sometimes you get mad, just got to drive. You know, and so I just took off driving around Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm driving in circles. I'm driving. I'm mad. I'm complaining. I'm griping. And I hear it again. You can do what you want to, 
but I'm telling you, don't quit this job. And he said, and I want you to fix your attitude. And so now, you know, he'd, he'd mentioned that before to me, but I, I kept resisting him to fix my attitude. He said, I want you to not only stay, I want you to fix your attitude. Well, I, I finally went back to work, and I, I was doing my job, but about a, it had been a good week that I was still mad, griping, and complaining, frustrated. I knew I was going to obey. I knew I was going to obey, but I was going to make sure God knew I didn't like it. And I wish I'd have been a parent then, because I don't like it when my kids obey, but make sure I know they don't like it. But I didn't, wasn't a parent, so I didn't know that, how, how, how bad that is. And so I complained, but about a week went by, and I finally said, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to put this aside. I'm going to do what you said, and I'm going to start working on my attitude. And then I got my attitude right. I really went to it. I would, I would like to say I fixed it in a week, but it, did, it took a lot longer than a week because I'd had a bad attitude for a long time. It took me a while to get my attitude right. And so I, I got my attitude right. I, I, I stayed, and man, it was amazing that the, when I got a piece about obeying God and get my attitude right, my boss came to me and said, hey, you know what? We can tell. You've always worked hard. You've always put up great numbers. You're, you're, you're a great employee there, but we've told you before you had an attitude problem. They didn't even told me. We see that you fixed it. I got three promotions in that year. Three. Not one, not two, three. Three in that year. Then, and I was there another four years. I met Julie because I stayed. I met Julie, and then because I stayed, my company transferred me to Lubbock. When I moved to Lubbock, that's when the door of ministry opened to me. Boy, when he showed me that, that, that why in the road, man, obedience or not being obedient, falling to the temptation of Satan, because listen, you need to write this down and remember it. When you're going through a test, you're also going to be tempted. The temptation is to do something ungodly. The temptation is to do something you know is wrong. You know it says in the word of wrong. You know it's, it's going to be sin. It could be the sin of doubt. It could be the sin of frustration. It could be the sin of despair. It could be the sin of, you know, you, you go off and do something. You lie, you cheat, you steal, you, whatever. It could be. But when you're going... Through a testing, you're also going to go through attempting. Both. It goes together. You'll always experience those two things. When you go through the wilderness, you will be tested by God, but you will be tempted by the devil. He watches you go into these tests, and he's like, I don't want them to pass, because if they pass, God's got something for them. So I'm going to go tempt them so they'll fail. They'll fail the test. He sees it. He knows. So the tempter comes. And so that's what happened with me. I was tempted to take my life in my own hands. To take my life back and say, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's no different when, when Satan spoke to Eve and said, you'll be like God. You can make your own decisions. You can decide right from wrong and you can do what you want, Eve. You don't have to obey God anymore. It's the exact same temptation. Exact same. So let me say it again. When you go through a test, you'll also get tempted. When you go through the wilderness, which is a test, you'll also be tempted in the wilderness. Every single time. Now, now we go to Deuteronomy 
I talked about last week that when you go through the wilderness and you, God is testing you and he wants to show you your heart. And so he says in Deuteronomy 8 too, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. So the first thing he wants to do is teach you. When, when he talks about humility, he's talking about where you get to a place where you're like, God, teach me. I want to learn. I want to grow. Amen? You're not resisting God. You're, you're humbled. You're teachable. And what does it say? Test you. Let me say something about testing. God is like this. He's like, I'm going to teach you, then I'm going to test you. And you take the test and you flunk it. He's like, okay, this time I'm going to teach you and test you, and I'm going to make it an open book test. You flunk it. He, okay, this time I'm going to test you, and I'm going I'm to give you a cheat sheet. I'm going to give you some of the answers. And he'll keep testing and keep trying to qualify you. He'll keep trying to qualify. He's not the teacher that says, aha, I flunked all of you. <laughs> you ever had a teacher like that that took pride in failing everybody? Took pride in you not learning? Took pride in, yep, F. F, I used to have a math teacher in seventh grade. Oh, my goodness. He, he li he'd put big old red lines on your paper. He'd point out every mistake you made. He, and he'd love giving Fs. And he would say it. He'd pass the papers out personally. And he'd say it out loud like you see in the movies. F, F, F. And he'd slam them down. He took such joy in it. God's not that teacher. God's like, hey, you made an F, but I'm going to give it to you again. Let's pass. He's cheering you on. He's not trying to flunk you. He's trying to pass you forward. The Bible says of the children of Israel, and that's what Deuteronomy is all about, is about the children of Israel and life lessons. And he says, especially chapter 8, he says this. He said, you tested me ten times. I put you to the test, and instead of you realizing that I'm the one that tests, you turned it around and tried to put me to the test. Big mistake when you turn the test that you're supposed to walk through on God and say, where are you? What are you doing? Who do you think you are? How dare you do this to me? How, why are you doing it? God, God, God. You're, 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 you're trying to turn the test around and say, God, I'm not taking the test. I'm putting you to the test. Thank God. We live in the New Testament because we get more opportunities than 10. Anybody thankful besides me that I, you get more shots than 10? I'm very thankful I get more shots than 10 because <laughs> I'd have been walking in the wilderness with the rest of them, eating manna and quail for 40 years, wearing the same sandals and clothes for 40 years. And so, that, I mean, I, I don't throw any rocks at those people, man, for failing because we've all failed some of those tests. We've all questioned God. What are you doing? And why are you doing this? And instead of turning that test around for our benefit. So he says, I'll test you so that you will know what is in your heart. He's trying to show us. I want you to remember this. God is always more interested in your character Always more interested in your character than your provision. He's more interested in who you are than what you have. Always. 
Always more interested. That's why religious people and unbelievers keep him at a distance because they don't want them, they don't want God dealing with who, who they are. They want to keep doing what they're doing. So they'll create religious, uh, uh, they'll, they'll create all these religious things, hoops you have to jump through that makes them feel like they're godly and holy and all these things they have to say and do and all these because they want to keep God at a distance because they know when they get close. He's going to make it personal. And he's going to deal with you who you are on the inside more than ever. He'll deal with you what's on the outside. Amen? So he wants to reveal our heart, whether we would keep his commands or not. So another part of that testing, the biggest part is, will we obey God with the right heart, or will we disobey God, fall to the temptation, and or not follow the temptation, but still have a wrong heart about God even putting us to the test. That's like, in today's culture now, in education, it's just like, they treat teachers like, how dare you test me? Who do you think you are to question whether I know this material or not? You should just pass me along. You should just always tell me how great I am. Never test me. That, that, that's a wrong attitude. You'll never learn anything if you don't ever get tested. Come on now. Tests reveal what you know. God's tests reveal who you are. And he doesn't do it to beat us down. He's trying to show us some things that we'll never see unless we walk through a wilderness. We'll never see it. We'll never deal with it. We'll never, we'll never uh, uh, take it on. We'll never change. We'll never grow. And because we won't do that unless we walk through a wilderness and that he actually shows us our heart, he, we'll never get there. Then we'll never fulfill the destiny and purpose and plan of, that God has for us if we aren't willing to take the test. That's why many Christians won't fulfill it. Some, many won't, and unbelievers will never fulfill it because they're always, they're walking in circles in the wilderness because they won't, they refuse the test. They refuse to pass it. They refuse to study. They refuse a lot of things. Now I'm going to give you some more definitions of the wilderness real quick. The wilderness is defined as a, a desert place, uncultivated, unlived in, a state of disorder, a place of difficulties, pressures, and oppositions. God's testing is universal. So let me say this, that all of those pressures, all those things, me, you, all of us are going to go through it. You're not going to escape this. You will be tested. Pastor Sean stole some of my message. That's not what he said in first service. But he, but he stole part of my message. You're going to go through a storm. Yes, you're going to go through the storms of the wilderness. Yes, you're going to go through that. Absolutely. And not just like none of us were exempt from going through this snow, this storm driving here, none of us will be exempt from the tests of the wilderness either. You will go through the storms. You will go through the tests. Now, what I said last week, and I'm going to say it over and over again, you get to decide the outcomes. You're going to go through it, but you get to choose how you handle it. Someone say amen or oh me, because you, we get to choose. I had to, God said, you do what you want, Troy, but this is what I'm telling you to do. This is what I'm telling you is right, right here. 
right here. This is what I'm telling you to do. This is what I'm telling you is right. You choose if you want to do it or not. You choose. You get to decide how you come out of the wilderness, successfully or unsuccessfully, better than you've ever been or worse than you've ever been. It's our choice. But I tell you what, we don't get to choose. We don't get to choose whether we're going to walk through it or not. Because we will walk through it. All of us will go, whether you call it a storm or a wilderness, we will all walk through it. All of us. Every one of us. You can say, man, that, that's bad news. Oh, depends on how you look at it. It depends on how you look at it. If I told you right now, if I said, Anthony, you're going to walk through a wilderness, it's going to be a year-long, driest season of your life. You're going to, you're going to have to face, God's going to reveal a ton of stuff in your heart that you need to fix. But at the end of that year, every one of your dreams will come to pass. Would you walk through it? Absolutely. Listen, God's example of walking through the wildernesses of our life is that if you pass, it is good on the other side. It's real good on the other side. If the children of Israel would have passed, they'd have walked, they'd have walked into the promised land where that, it was flowing with milk and honey and all the blessings were there. We're going to see when Jesus passed the test, that's when his public ministry just explodes. Anytime when Moses was 40 uh, days on the mountain, he passed the test, he came back with the Ten Commandments. He was mightily, he was shining like the sun, man. He'd been in the presence of Almighty God. He got to see God, at least his backside. Listen, I mean, he, he came out, he didn't come out like, oh my gosh, I've spent 40 days. He came out like, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. They're like, oh man, you've been in the presence of God. It depends on how you view it. Your perspective matters. Your perspective matters. Instead of asking God, where are you? You should ask, why are you? What are you? Not of him, but of yourself. Why am I here? God, why am I walking through this? What do you want me to change? What are you trying to show me that I can grab a hold of and actually start working on? What characteristic are you wanting me to grow? What, what are you, you want me to learn to not lose my temper or be frustrated? You want me to learn endurance? You want me to, you want me to grow? You want me to do what? Yeah, let's go then. Let's go. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I mean, you need to take on that attitude. I will fear no evil, though I'm wild. In this wilderness, I'm not going to fear because God is with me. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to come out feasting in front of my enemies. It's all a matter of perspective. God has really worked on my perspective. I see it so clearly in my life right now that, man, every trial, every Every test, he's trying to grow me, grow my family, grow us. He's trying to improve us because he's preparing. The wilderness can be defeat or preparation for success. You choose. You choose, I choose, we choose. Amen? Listen, I said it's universal. Every one of us is going to go through it. The outcome is left up to us. Here's some common threads. That we all have. Number one, he allows lack in our lives. He will allow lack 
health, finances, provision, or relationships, you're going to experience some lack, and that's where the wilderness starts. And that's where you're walking through the wilderness, when there's lack, and he will allow it. We'll read a scripture here in just a moment as to why. But in that, in that time that you're in the wilderness, he will supply your needs, but it will, he'll do it in an uncommon and unfamiliar way to you. Otherwise, you will not be comfortable. It's not designed for comfort. Tests aren't designed to make you feel comfortable. How many of you just really don't like taking tests? I mean, you know how to drive and you know the rules, but you don't want to take the driver's test. It's like, golly, I get, I get all worked up. And listen, man, uh, a bunch of you like tests? Okay, at the end of this sermon, I'm going to give you a bunch of tests. All those that didn't raise their hand, you stick around. I'm going to give you a test. And I'm going to be like that seventh grade math teacher. Flunk, flunk, D. I'm going to be all, you missed that. Some of you like tests. Hmm. Well, then you're going you're gonna to do awesome with God then because he'll put you to the test. We have to solely depend on him. That's number three. When you're walking through, you have to solely depend on him. It's, it's about depending on him. Number four, there's going to be times of stress, pain, and even suffering. It just comes with it. Number five, through it all, God is more interested, as I said earlier, in our character than our comfort. He's more interested in our character than us being comfortable. You'll be very uncomfortable when you take te these tests because they'll be very personal. Number six, we cannot see our own weaknesses until they are revealed to us. That's what he talked about in Deuteronomy 8 too. He wants to show us our heart, even our weaknesses. Why? So that we can, he can beat us up and say, Carlos, you're just weak. You're no good. That's not why. He's saying, listen, you're weak in this area. I want you to be strong in this area. But I got to let you see you're weak so that you start depending on me. Because when you're weak, I am strong. Otherwise, you can count on me to help you overcome your weaknesses. I, but I got to show it to you. You know, we all have blind spots that we can't see. Matter of fact, we have blind spots, and then we also have some blind spots that others can see, but we can't. But we also have secrets that no one sees but God. We have weaknesses that others aren't aware of that we are, but God is too. And he wants us to show some of them we don't see. No one sees but him, and he wants to pull that out of us, not to beat us down, not to criticize us, to fix it. So he can take us to another level of blessing. Amen. Listen. Uh, number seven. If we look for it, God will still be blessing you during this season. But we got to understand what a blessing is. Sometimes we think a blessing is, I got a new car or this or that. I no. The, the greatest blessings are that, God, I know what real joy is like now. God, I know, I know what real kindness is. God, I know that I'm stronger than people think I am on the inside. You might think I'm, I'm little on the outside, but inside, I, I like, you know, I meet people that aren't real tall, men and women, and some people underestimate them. 
Oh, they're little. Oh, man, I could, I could show you some little people in this room. They might be little on the outside, but they're like nitroglycerin on the inside. They're like a stick of dynamite. Look out. They'll, they'll walk in, they're little bitty, and they don't fill the room size-wise, but, man, you let them in there a little bit, their personality will fill the room. Like, I'm little, I'm little, but I'm in charge. Let's get something done. I mean, you know those people. Some of you are those people. And God, that's what he's like. You might be perishing on the outside, but on the inside, you're getting stronger every single day. That's what he wants. And if you'll look in the wilderness, in the storms that Pastor Sean talked about, if you'll look, there's a blessing there for you that's, that will mean more to you now and in the future than, than anything else ever has meant to you. Because you'll, you'll, you'll have something on the inside of you that only God can give you and God can help you with that will last you the rest of your life. I used to tell these young guys that, I, that grew up with my boys that I coached in sports and was around in sports. Man, they'd walk by me, and they're superstar athletes here. And some of them played Division I in college sports, but I would always remind them. I would tell them, man, don't ever be defined by what you do. Always be defined by who you are on the inside. That your character is more important than your gift. Because the gift will fade. The gift will fade. Anybody ever hear? Um, what's, what's that? Oh, I always forget her name. Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston sing towards the end of her life? She could not sing the way she used to sing. Does anybody know that Shania Twain has had has had serious issues with her voice, and she cannot sing the way she used to sing. Every gift fades. Did anybody ever see some of these supermodels in the 70s and 80s that their beauty has faded? Did anybody know an old athlete? They can't do what they used to be able to do. Gifts, talents, abilities fade, but your character will last an eternity. Your character. And I know some of these young boys didn't heed it. They didn't heed it. There's some in jail. There's some that have fallen to alcoholism and addiction. There's others that heeded. And they realize, hey, I can't define myself by my gift. I have to define myself by my character, my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where I get my identity from. Amen? Not by my gifting. Not by my gifting. And sometimes when you walk through the wilderness, walk through storms, you find that out who you really are, and what's really important. Amen? And that's, that's, why it's, that's why it can be a blessing. That's why it can be a blessing. We become more mature. He, turns our th he transforms our thinking. We build endurance. The Bible says through faith and patience, we inherit all the promises of God. Man, when we're going through a wilderness or a storm or a testing, man, any of those words, when we're going through that, Man, man, we're building endurance. When I used to run a lot, I used to run five miles a day, every day. I did it for years. And when I'd come back to New Mexico, I was in Tulsa, you know, it's at a higher elevation. And so I, and Tulsa is like 800 feet above sea level, maybe, maybe, maybe 700. Here it's 3,000 and something. And I would take off running at about the two and a half mile mark. I'd be like, why am I, why is, why am I trying to find air? And then I'd realize, man, I'm way, I'm up. And then I think, this is awesome. 
because this is really going to build my endurance. And I never, ever ran with the wind. I never ran with the wind. If the wind was, blow, I, if the wind was blowing out of the west, I'd run into the wind. Why? Because that's when you build endurance. I, I know in golfing, I, I, I don't play golf much, but when I did, a golf pro told me one time, listen, if you're practicing, always practice into the wind, not with the wind, because it'll give you a false sense of how hard you hit and where you can play. Man, always hit into the wind. Always practice into the wind, because that really that's really the test of your swing. Listen, when we build endurance when we're going through the wilderness, we build endurance when we're going against the wind, not with it. When we're with the wind, it's like everything's easy. It's a blessing. We only find out how much we can endure when we're lifted to a higher place, when we're facing a stronger wind, when the sun is burning us, at, I mean, hot on us, when there's pressure, stress. That's when we build endurance. Amen? And that's when the promises of God, all of them. He didn't say several. He didn't say a thousand or two thousand. He said all the thousands of promises of God in this life and the next. But we can, get, we can gain them if we'll operate not just in what we believe, but how we wait, how we wait and walk through wilderness and take the tests of God and build endurance. We will inherit all those promises. Man, that's what a great promise. What a great promise. Our, I'm going to say it again. Our successes are moving forward in life into the next blessed season, next dream, next, next place God wants us to be, the next, oh, the next blessing God wants to give us is all determined and dependent upon our response to these moments. It's never determined on our response to when things are going good. It's always when it's difficult. Our response there, this is a biblical principle, always determines where we end up, how we end up, and what we end up with. Always. Now, we're going to look at Jesus' wilderness experience. These last eight minutes, we're going to look at this. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. I was going to read 1 through 13, but I'm not. I'm just going to read a few of them. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit, capital S. Who led him into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit. God did. God led the children of Israel into the wilderness. They didn't pass. Now another one has come, Jesus. And now he's being led by the same Spirit into the wilderness. And he needs to pass. If he doesn't pass, then he can't be our Savior. We're not going to get saved. Jesus knows this. He must pass this test. Here we go. Next verse. Is the, is the computer froze? I think it froze. Well, thank God I still have a Bible. I don't trust technology. <laughs> yeah, someone's clapping. Like, I don't trust it either. This is what happens when technology fails. You go to a good old book, right? Luke chapter 4. Read verse 1. We'll get to the next verse. It says, He was taken. Is it up there now? You guys are messing with me. Now, is that the wrong? That's verse 13. 
We need verse 2. You still messed up. Y'all gone computers? I know they're trying to do it right. Let me just read from here. It says, From the moment of his baptism, Jesus overflowed with the Holy Spirit, was taken by the Spirit into the Jordan, into the wilderness of Judea, to experience for 40 days the ordeal of testing by the accuser. He ate no food during this time and ended his 40-day fast very hungry. It was then the devil said to him, If you are really the Son of God, command this stone to turn into a loaf of bread for you. So he was tested all 40 days. Every day, the test was there. And guess what else he was, what happened to him? All 40 days he was tested. All 40 days he was tempted. He was tested and tempted at the same time, just like we will be. We're tested and tempted. What are we tempted to do? Take matters into our own hands. Take it out of the hands of God and say, I'm going to be God. I'm going to do what I want to do instead of waiting on God to do what he's going to do. Just like I did it with that job. I took it matters into my own hand. It's the same lie Eve believed. Eve, you can be like the Most High God. You'll decide what's right and wrong. You'll decide what you do and don't do. Eve, same test. Same temptation. Are you going to take the temptation or pass the test and say, no, I'm going to rely on God? Or are you going to say, okay, Satan, I'm going, to, I'm going to take matters in my own hands. Do what I want to do instead of what God told me to do. Here we go. What does Jesus say? Jesus replied, I will not. I will not do it. For it is written in the scriptures, life does not come only from eating bread, but from God. Life flows from every revelation from his mouth. Every word of God. What is he saying here to Satan? I'm not going to take matters in my own hands. I'm going to rely on God to provide. This is a test of provision. I think it's interesting, the first test Jesus is, is, that is talked about here is the test of provision. Are you going to rely on yourself and on this world, or are you going to rely on God? That's the test. Are you going to rely on God's word and his promises to you, or are you going to rely on yourself? Man, Julie and I took this test. We've taken several tests like it. But I don't know if I felt as much pressure in this test as I have. I have for the church. I have in other seasons. I've walked through some really tried times of provision. But this test really worked me. I've taken some others that, that really worked me too. But this one really worked me. Um, we, had, we had a choice when we were in ministry. Um, we, all of our bills were paid. Um, uh, and we knew that we had money to pay our bills, but the money left over from that was either food or tithe. Food or tithe. That's the choice we had. We had zero after that. Food or tithe, zero. We're going to have zero one, of the way, one, one way or another. We're going to have zero in our account. And I looked at Julie and I said, Julie, baby, we're going to tithe. And I love my wife. She didn't go, how are we going to feed the kids? What are we going to do? She didn't freak out. She, didn't, she said, honey, I support you. We're going to honor God. And I said, thank you. And we got together and we prayed and we tithed instead of buying food. We tithed. We tithed. And we, had, we knew we had about one day. I'm, I'm not kidding, guys. Nothing in the freezer. Nothing to eat for our children. Nothing. For us or them. I didn't care about Julie and I. I could fast. 
I cared about my children eating. Big, big test. Big test. Big temptation to say, you know what, God? I just know you. You'd want me not to tithe. You want me to buy food for my kids. I heard that multiple times. I heard that several times. But you know what? The Bible says, the tithe, God says, the tithe is mine. Thus saith the Lord. It's his. So I'd either steal his money and buy food and justify it, or I gave him what's his and trusted him. Well, we gave him what, what was his and trusted him. This is just what we did. I don't know what others do, but this is what we did. And I'll never forget the next day. Not that day. The next day, I'm pulling up to the house. We always went in through the garage, but I could see something was sitting on my porch. This is back before Amazon, and, you know, there was always something being delivered at your house because Julie's always ordering something. And so, but, so it was unusual to see something on my porch. So I pulled in, and I walked in the, the door into the kitchen from the garage, and I said, Julie, something's on our porch. She said, yeah, what? I said, I don't know. Something's there. And so she said, let's go see. So we both went to the door. I opened the door. We looked out. Five bags of groceries. And I cried. I cry. I still want to cry. God's so faithful. And I didn't operate in the ministry of hints. And go to Anthony and Delisha and say, hey, I know you run a restaurant. I, I, I paid my tithe. I didn't, I didn't, I don't have any groceries. I don't have any food for my kids. I didn't go to somebody I knew had more money. Say, hey, Doc, I, I know you're really blessed, and I'm blessed too. I, I, I tithe, and I have no food for my children. But I know, I know you're blessed, dude. But I don't have any food for my children. Ah, oh, man, I love you. God bless you. I didn't operate in the ministry of hints and start going telling everybody. I didn't tell my mama. My mama would, I know what my mom would do. She'd go buy me groceries. I didn't tell my mama. I didn't tell anybody. Julie and I just said, we're going to act like nothing's wrong. We're not going to tell the kids. Hey, tomorrow you might not have anything to eat. And the next day, I don't know when we're going to have anything to eat. Let's, I'm going to call grandma and guilt her into inviting us over for dinner. You know, hey, mom, what's for dinner? You know, oh, I'm making it. You know, well, can we and, can me and Julie and kids come on? I mean, I didn't do any of that. And then raid her, raid her closet. And say, hey, man, we can use some cereal. No hint, no ministry of hints. Just God. I don't know who, I don't know why they did it. I, to this day, don't know who did it. I tell this story all the time, thinking someday someone is going to say, I'm the one who did that. Don't know who to this day. But I know this, we got more groceries than if I'd have bought them. It was more than what I would have, it was more than enough. It was more. They had, they had steaks in there. They had hamburger meat. They had peanut butter and jelly, a couple loaves of bread. They had cereal, everything. I mean, it was, it was like Christmas at the Smotherman house. And the kids are probably thinking we were crazy because well, we're crying over groceries. But we were put to the test. And I was sorely tempted to say, God, you'd understand that I take your money that I owe you and spend it on groceries for my children. Can I tell you something? After that, we never faced, we have never faced that again since that time. Never. Matter of fact, abundance started coming towards us. You don't just think. Julie and I jumped up and down thinking, yes, we don't have any food for our kids. This is so cool. 
God's going to do it. No, it was, it was more like, God, we're going to honor you and trust you. This is the test that Jesus faced. This is the test that Jesus faced right here. Are you going to turn this into bread and, and, and claim your divinity, claim your divineness, or are you going to be fully human and have to face weakness and depend on God for supply? Same test. You're going you're gonna, to... You're gonna, Grab a hold of your humanity because you're fully men, but you're also fully God. You can, he could turn that stone to bread and Satan's tempted him to say, I'm taking my life back. I'm going to be God again and I'm turning this. Or is he going to say, I'm going to face my humanity just like the children of Israel did and didn't pass. I'm going to face it and say, I understand I'm starving to death. You understand at three weeks you're starving. At 40 days you should be dead. Your kidneys, everything would just shut down. You should be dead. At 30 days, you should be dead. 40 for sure. He is starving to death. And he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What's the test? Are you going to fail the mission, Jesus? If Jesus would have done it, he failed us all. He failed us all. He wasn't going to do it. He had a mission. And he said, listen, I trust God more than I trust my own needs, my own provision. I trust God more. I trust him more. I trust God. He'll sustain me. He'll help me. I have a mission. I have a role. I have a thing to fill. I trust my God. I trust my God. I trust my God. At the point of death, I trust my God. At the point of death from hunger, I trust my God. All of us will go through the provision test. Who do you trust? Your job? Your own hands? Your own wisdom? Or do you trust God to provide? I said I took this test, but it was not the only time I took it. I've taken this test over and over and over again. Provision. Who do I trust? I've learned. Just trust God. I'm learning and learned. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. And he keeps, he keeps elevating. He keeps elevating. And I keep trusting. And he keeps testing me. And I, I, I pass. And he keeps trusting me with more. He said, faithful with a little. I'll make you ruler over much. Now we give groceries away. He's so good. Oh, I get so excited about how good he is. Last verse. Last verse. You guys ready? Man, I didn't even get through all that, but we're, we're done. Luke 6, 38. Luke 6, 38. I, I, oh, I love the word of God. It's so good, man. He said, take and keep taking. Is that what he says here? What does he say? Come on, come on. You, you drove here in the storm. Let's just do it. Come on. Give, and it will be given to you. Come on, keep reading with me. Good measure. Press down. 
shaking together and running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use or give, it will be measured back to you. That's our Father's promise. That's His word, His promise. Let's all pass the test. We got two more tests to talk about in the wilderness that we'll all have to take. God wants us to pass it. He wants us to pass it. Amen? Every eye closed. Listen, man, if you're not right with God here online, let's get right right now. Let's just get it right. He is a, he's omnipresent because he's a breath away. He's just right here always. Always with us. Everywhere, all at once, with every human being. Why? Why does he stay so close? Because he wants to, he, he's right there. So when you pray, when you speak, when you, when you pray to him, he's right there. And no prayer reaches him that you have until you surrender your life to him. That's a test. Is it your life or is it the life he gave you? You choose. Is he God or are you God? You create your own gods, choose your own God, or does the God of the universe, the only one true God, choose you? And you choose him. Your choice. Your choice. If you've never surrendered your whole life to him, you've, you've prayed, you've talked to him, you've, you've been in and out, you've, You've given part, but not all. You, you're hanging on to this and that and another thing. But you want to surrender today. Surrender your whole life to Him. Like, no matter how many times you fall, you're going to get up and run to Him. You're never going to run away from Him. No matter what you do or have done, you're not going to run away anymore. You're going to run to Him for forgiveness. You're going to run to Him for strength. You're going to run to Him to help you overcome. No more going back, always running to Him. From now on, surrendered life. Surrendered life. I didn't say a perfect life. Not from the holy perfection. But a perfect life in the sense that God is, calls us to be perfect. He calls us to be mature. He calls us to grow. He calls us to reach forward and move forward. Chasing after Him. That's the kind of life you're surrendering to. Never going back. Always going forward. Even when you fail, even when you fall, you get up and move forward, chasing Him, seeking Him. If you've never prayed that, let's pray it right now. Online here, let's pray. Maybe, maybe you have, you served Him with all, and then you had a test. You had a wilderness experience, and you failed it. You, you not only failed the test, you went into temptation, and you're, you're chasing sin right now. And you're like, I hate this. I, I know this isn't good for me. And you just want to come back. Man, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. God will welcome you home if you mean it. If it's a game, he, you know, he's not going to honor it. But if you mean it, he'll honor it. If you'll mean it from your heart, and he'll help you. Oh, he helps all of us overcome sin and temptation and crap in our life. Stuff. We all have it. He helps with it. Helps us overcome it. Live a higher life, a better life.
If you want to pray right now here online, online on the count of three, send us a message. I'm praying right now. First time, next time, I'm praying. Here in this room, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand high and say, it's me. I'm going to pray right now. I'm getting it right right now. Amen. And then we're going to pray. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your hand, say. Here we go. Here we go. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Let's pray with them. And I know there's a bunch of people online praying with us too. Let's all mean this in your heart. Let's all pray this with them together. Say this, say, God. Say it, God. I believe you are God. Not me. Not anyone or anything else. You are God and God alone. You are the God of the Bible who loves us, who loves me. You sent Jesus to pass the test that we all fail. To die on a cross for our sins. To be raised from the dead. And you proved that you love us and that you are the Lord. So I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my whole life. I surrender all of me to you. Teach me now how to serve you, how to live life and life to the full, the life you came to give me until I see you in heaven. Thank you for forgiving me and helping me and filling me full of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for how good He is. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.